Hi, this is Cuba Gooding Jr., and you're listening to the Gridiron. You know? Hello, and welcome to the Gridiron Show. Will and Ollie in the man cave for part two of our West Previews. We're on to the NFC, and we have got a slew of great interviews for you. All from the Rams. You've been enjoying Hard Knocks, so why not enjoy hearing from the men in L.A.? Lance Kendricks, while he was out here, and then a chance to hear our interviews at the Super Bowl with some of the biggest names in football, plus our all-NFC West team. This is The Gridiron Show. Apologies, you heard some banging and clanging then. I had to take the headphones off to make sure that Ollie could do a silly little robot dance to the intro music. We only have one pair of headphones and uh, you don't carry on with the dance. You now talk into the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So welcome to the Gridiron Show. Uh, Thank you for day two of our two-day West Preview. Did the AFC yesterday, a fantastic and cracking AFC, all AFC West team it was. And we're going to get through, um, we're going to get through all of your Twitter questions on this show as well. Plus we have interviews. Here they come with... Lance Kendricks, which you did whilst he was in the country. Aaron Donald, for me, the best interior lineman in the NFL. Michael Brockers, his line mate. Sam Farmer, the man who knows LA better than any other. And the rookie of the year, Todd Gurley. Not a bad lineup, that. I loved Todd Gurley. Oh, I forgot about, we were talking about the first episode of Hard Knocks, and I forgot about my other favourite thing from the first episode. And that was when... um, Todd Gurley mentioned... Us. Uh, yeah, talk early when I talked to these British guys. These, uh, <laughs> these British guys at the Super Bowl, and they were all like, I don't know why he sounds why like does a he sound 50s like... gangster or something. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I talked to these British guys. <laughs> <laughs> you schmo. Uh, um, yeah, uh, the. Um, uh, who was his name? The Tavon Austin. Uh, so they had a little bit on Tavon Austin earlier in the show. I think he got injured at one point, and there was a lot of talk about uh, how the, they talk, keep away from the skill players and yada, yada, yada. So Tavon Austin, once they got settled into training camp, decided to install Pokemon Go on his phone and then get one of the... Uh, he was a low-level trainer. He was a younger guy. He can't have been much older than 18, I don't think. Might have even been like a, a son of one of the coaches or something because there was no explanation for why this kid was there. But decided to get in a golf buggy with him and drive around the campus of the university where they're holding their training camp just catching Pokemon and just shouting at other members of the team going, I'm catching Pokemon! Leave me alone! And then, like, driving off. And I, it was amazing have you gotten on the pokemon train no so you see you know how my phone's broken and been broken for like three months and my phone's always broken rubbish phone yeah um i I tried to install pokemon go and it went your phone does not support this version of this app (laughs) amazing (laughs) this phone not powerful enough for the pokemon has uh sarah downloaded pokemon she has. She plays it quite a lot. She even played it while we were in Chile. In Chile, it, it came out whilst we were there. And it was on the weekend we went down to a place called Reñaca. And there's a, they've got a, um, a flat in Reñaca and there's a lovely beach resort called Valparaiso there and uh, Viña del Mar. And it, uh, Valparaiso itself is it's like the Brighton of South America. All these beautifully painted houses, great graffiti everywhere, Does it loads have lanes? of little l- lanes type shops, loads of little like knickknack Does shops. Does it have and a pier? Uh, I don't think it has a pier. It has a dock area. Does it have a thriving gay scene? 
I don't know. I couldn't answer that question. We <laughs> so only... How Brighton-esque is it? <laughs> it's Come got, on, Will! It's got a thriving Pokemon scene, though, I can tell you that. <laughs> right. In Vigna del Mar, which was the area, uh, which was the more kind of touristy bit where there was like a big resort and there was a casino and stuff, we went for ice cream on the first night we were there after we'd been out for quite a few drinks. What flavour did you have? Uh, there was a fancy... I had a uh, uh, manja and tre leche. Three milks. Yeah. And... Mancha is hazelnut. Uh, no, mancha is a type of dolce de leche uh, that they oh, have in nice. South America, which I've got some in my fridge. You should try it. It is mint. Okay. They just put it on toast and stuff. It's mint. No, it's like toffee. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it is great. That is what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a really good chili story to tell you, which I nearly told you before the podcast. And then I was like, I'm going to save it for the pod. And now I've forgotten what it was. It will come up. <laughs> just, just drop it in. But, but we went down for, um, uh, for ice cream down by the seaside. And we walked down the beach. And there were maybe 60, 70 people down the beach. It's not uncommon. It might be winter, but it's still like 20 degrees in the day. And everyone we walked past were groups of teenagers, between anywhere between two and ten of them, all of them playing Pokemon. It was utterly ridiculous. Well, I'll, I'll give you a secret. I'll let you into something. Are you a Pokemon fan? I'm not a Pokemon fan. But uh, Darren Goff, on my radio show that I work on for Talk Sport, he, is a, he downloaded it and got into it, but he didn't know anything about it. So we got a Pokemon expert to come on to drive. That's amazing. To explain about it. And apparently... The water, obviously, the, the, the Pokemon that like water, you generally find them next to where water is. Near water, yeah. That's amazing. I, I did actually, ridiculously, I knew that. People do, like the but, fact that I don't have it. Yeah. So that's why you see lots of people near water. They're trying to catch the water Pokemon. So Sarah, um, Sarah downloaded Pokemon and been playing it. Reminded me how much I used to enjoy playing Pokemon on the Game Boy. And so I downloaded a Game Boy emulator for my phone with the original version of Pokemon, and I've been playing actual original Pokemon on my phone. It's been great. That's, so much better than Pokemon that's Go. so neat. Screw you all. That all the old phone, when you threw it down then, almost landed on the floor and you would have broken it. <laughs> an absolute disgrace. I've lost my Pokemon save games. No! <laughs> uh, I remember that funny... Oh, the funny chili story. I just remembered it. So it was because before we were doing the podcast, for some reason we were doing... Uh, ludicrous Spanish accents uh, <laughs> and uh, or Mexican accents. It was that kind of thing. And one day we went up to, there's a place called San Cristobal in Santiago where you get a funicular up the hill and it's, yeah. it, you can see Love over the whole funicular. of Santiago and there's a big statue of St. Mary up there and it's, it's, it's a pretty beautiful place. But we got the bus into town and we got on and it was me, Sarah and Sarah's mum. We went to the back of the bus and there were two seats. So Sarah and her mum sat down. I'm a gentleman after all. Of course. And I stood up and I, we just started chatting. We were chatting in a mixture of a bit of Spanish and mostly English. And I just heard the two men on the, bu- on the, ba- the other two people on the back seat of the bus. Tur- one turned to the other and go, gringo, gringo. <laughs> <laughs> gringo, gringo. Yeah, just like questioning going, gringo. Gringo. <laughs> well, they, they didn't look at you and see that you automatically look like a gringo. A lot of people knew I was English before I opened my mouth. <laughs> or English English. Well, I knew that I was, was going to be... That you were gringo. Yeah, European, American, whatever, but yeah. knew that I wasn't from Chile before I opened my mouth. I did wonder, you I wonder why. Chileans, but not many. Yeah, not, did you have random people coming up to you asking 
to be have uh, to have a photo with you just because you're so ginger. <laughs> no, I didn't. But my beard, which as you can see at the moment, is looking pretty quaffed. Pretty quaffed. Yeah, I quite like that. It grew to a ludicrous length while I was in Chile. Like it was properly. Like you see how long it is on my beard bit there, which yeah, is a good yeah, like yeah, couple yeah. of inches off my face. Yeah. It was like that all the way round. It was just this fluffy mess. I looked like a proper caveman. It was not good. Because I just forgot to take any shaving products with me. And like when I first got there, I looked reasonably smart. So I'd like to think that's how Sarah's family will remember me, not as the homeless man that left them after three weeks. <laughs> I'm proud of you, man. Uh, <laughs> why I look like, I, in fact, I look like you. That's what I look like. A why, fat, taller you. Why didn't you just go to somewhere there and get your beard shaved off because we were busy we had to see family we had to go to Rinyaka and we had to you know we had stuff to do okay so you remember when we went to I did go and watch Esquadron Suicida uh, at the cinema with Sarah uh, Suicide Squadron yeah uh, Squad yeah Esquadron Suicida and was it dubbed it was no we, we made sure we went to a subtitled one although there's a bit at the beginning where they flash up all about the characters past and it's on screen and that bit was in spanish so oh well um it was almost as terrible as batman versus superman wow almost as much of a mess wow I mean, margot robbie saved it is that only because she's hot no no she I, I, she put also put in a good performance okay but the interpretation of harley quinn was totally wrong as a nerd, uh, the Joker was just an irritant. He was like a low-level mobster, not like, uh, you know, the most villainous man ever. Can you stop playing with the mic cord? It's making a lot of noise in my ears. Sorry, sorry. Um, it, just, it was just crap. It was just a mess. It was just an <laughs> utter say, mess. Say it like it is. It, it was, it was, it was... Oh, have I turned it down? That was silly. It was... I think it was BS. Okay. Thanks. I wanted to ask you... Um, Remember when we went to that shit? <laughs> Sorry. You know how... Uh, ask me this in a minute. You know how um, I know that we haven't used the iPad in a while for sound effects? No. You like that? You like that? Oh, yeah, okay. Or possibly... Mike Patton sucks. Mike Patton sucks. I'm just glad you, <laughs> uh, you've forgotten about the jungle soundboard. <laughs> oh, oh no i'm sorry guys it's sergio brown from the jacksonville jaguars you're listening to the gridiron show now difficult who claps and a rick flair Woo! uh anyway sorry so you on. remember where we went to that chilean pop-up restaurant in, i do i remember London, that well and it was really nice we had it was empanada we had empanadas yeah did you have something similar or better or different Basically, I'm asking you when, you, when you went to Chile, what food did you have that you liked? I had empanadas. They were excellent. I had something called a churrasco. I I've put the sad music on. A churrasco, which is like a... a thin uh, sirloin steak that's been battered into very thin slices. Uh, they do it similarly in, um, in Brazil. In yeah. fact, I think it's a, it's a Portuguese word rather than a Spanish word. But uh, the version of it, they do something called a churrasco italiano. Okay. In, uh, in, which, uh, I said that. I sounded as much like a bloke on the med for a holiday. But also, also sounded churrasco like... Churrasco italiano. It's also a bit like, hey, churrasco italiano, <laughs> hey, churrasco. Um, which is a churrasco sandwich. Yeah. But with avocado, oh. tomato, oh. mayonnaise, and if you like, chili. Oh yeah. my god, that sounds incredible. It is incredible. I'll make some for us. Oh, yeah. I'll make us some Jurassic. And what else did you have? Um, I had empanadas, I had sopapillas, which are little dough discs which are made with a pumpkin dough. And then you can either have like some sweet stuff on it or uh, they're really good. Um, 
pastel de choclo, although I didn't actually have any of that. Sarah had some of that, but that's just a Chilean dish that I'm telling you about. Uh, yeah, I, I ate a lot. I okay. ate a lot, and it was glorious, and it was mostly homemade. And oh, you can't beat that. You cannot beat that. But churrasco is the one. That is very much the one. I'm looking forward to this uh, churrasco party that we're going to have. <laughs> we did it once uh, when we were at university. It was probably very early in mine and Sarah's relationship. I'd say within the first year, which means that I was still putting in an effort. And um, <laughs> Let's face it, guys. There's no effort going on anymore. <laughs> Actually, it was year two. I'd say it was year two because... It was after we'd moved into our, our house together. and You know you're talking to all of our <laughs> listeners as well. <laughs> um, you know this, right? It was for the World Cup. And it was when Chile uh, were... It was the first time Chile made a big impact in the World Cup. And we had a Chilean party. What we needed is some made... misting over music. Because <laughs> I... he's looking into the distance going, Oh, well, it was for the World Cup. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I made... I made homemade empanadas, but the deep-fried ones, and they were amazing, Ollie. You can't beat deep-fried. That was the end of my story. I apologise if it went on too long. I'm sorry. Should we talk Rams? Uh, Yeah. How do you want to do this? Do you want to... I think if we... uh, Should we start off with an interview? Maybe Lance Kendricks. I've got a really nice idea. Oh, here we go. You know we're doing our all-NFC West team. We are. Why don't we seed the interviews in... And around our picks. You're a sexy bastard, Ollie Hunter. Eh? Okay, what I want to do here then, let's do this. You're enjoying Hard Knocks. You're hearing all about LA. You're seeing the Rams there. Let's hear from Sam Farmer. Sam Farmer is, if you don't know him, he's a writer for the LA Times. The writer on the team moving to LA. And you've just... What he doesn't know about this move isn't worth knowing. This was very soon after the move had been announced... So we asked the players about it, but we also asked the man himself, Sam Farmer. And so to talk all about L.A. and the Rams in general, uh, here is the ever-brilliant Sam Farmer. Delighted to be joined on Radio Road by uh, Sam Farmer, who we've spoken to on the show before. And is if you want to know about teams moving to L.A. and the L.A. market for the NFL, he is the man you need to speak to. And I guess the first question is, are you a little bit relieved now that it's kind of over? I am. It's a strange feeling, though, because it's been it's it's like uh, uh, something I've lived with for the past twenty years, and so the fact that it's over now, it's sometimes hard to believe. And you know, we haven't until I see the ball in the air. It's almost like I I don't quite believe it's real, but uh, <laughs> but you see, it, it, the way that it manifests itself is really interesting because Los Angeles for so long has had this sort of too cool for school apathy about about the NFL. Yeah. Because for the last 20 years, it's consumed the NFL from the couch, yeah. just like London. And, you know, um, Not at 1 a.m. So, like London. But. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, um, but, you know, now my wife says, oh, these friends on my Facebook feed, I didn't know they were Rams fans, I didn't know they were football fans, they're going crazy. I went to the supermarket the other day, and there was a... Uh, the, somebody who had stacked the, the boxes of soda cans and configured them in the shape of the NFL shield. and So there's real excitement with the league. Lots of football fans in Los Angeles. And uh, uh, just, 
it, it had been the Ellis Island of NFL fans, where every fan is yeah. represented. Now they have something to get behind. Do you think the fact that it is the returning Rams is going to be a boon for that team? Because there are still fans there from the 60s, from the 70s, from the 80s who remember that team. Absolutely. And, and those are fans of money, too. I mean, it's, you know, a lot of men from the ages of 45 to 55, which is a key demographic for, yeah. that the Rams want. Uh, remember the Rams from their youth, and they look at it not as a relocation, but as a restoration. A homecoming almost. Yeah, a homecoming, absolutely. So, um, and, that, and that's sort of unique for the Rams. They're the team that could do that most effectively because the Raiders left a bad taste in everybody's mouth when they left L.A. and there was sort of a, um, you know, there was almost like, you know, you'd go to Raider games, there'd be fights in the stands, and people were afraid to wear other opposing teams' jerseys yeah. and stuff. The Rams didn't have that feel. And the Chargers have zero fans in Los yeah. Angeles, so um, so had they moved, it would be it, it would not have been the same enthusiasm. I, I was kind of up when the when the when the votes were cast in the, and they'd gone back into the room and following Twitter, and I had your your feed open and noticed that you were the first to, to tweet out the votes. What was that moment like when you knew finally the NFL was coming back to LA? Probably. Well, the first call I made was to room service to bring up a six-pack of beer. <laughs> so I did that. I had six-pack of Shinerbach brought up to my room. Um, it was interesting. Right before um, the votes were cast, I got a phone call from Eric Dickerson uh, asking what's going on. Yeah. And I thought, that's pretty cool. It's that a, is cool. A, kind of a historic moment that you have one of the uh, great Rams players, the all-time uh, you know, single season rushing leader call you and say what's happening, and uh, and so it was a little bit of a chill down your spine moment. Yeah. Um, but then it was surreal when it happened. That's what I just remember later that night thinking, did that really happen today, or <laughs> did I just dream that? Yeah. And so. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's amazing what it means to those guys because I can remember from the other side of it, we spoke to Dick Vermeil, and obviously yeah. he's a guy who so associates the Rams with St. Louis from his yeah. time there that he is completely the other side of it. And British fans maybe don't understand this. This has only ever happened once in, uh, in certainly soccer and, and very rarely in any other sport where a team has moved from one place to the other. And when it did, it was met with complete derision. So. I think my feelings on it is, is because it's the Rams, that's great. But are we going to see a second team? Are the Chargers going to be there as well? Well, you know, I, I think that the Chargers kind of got cold feet because they realized that um, a few things. You know, there, there are a couple of components here. The Chargers didn't want, for so long they talked about not wanting to be a tenant to Stan Kroenke. Yeah. And um, Stan Kroenke just has more money, flat out. I mean, and, and the Chargers would not only be a tenant, they would be an afterthought in Los Angeles. And that really gave them pause because their owner is slow to act anyway. And that's sort of his nature. And so it would be a real leap of faith to come up to Los Angeles. First of all, it's never happened in any professional sports league that I'm aware of where two teams are dropped simultaneously into a market, particularly in a market like Los Angeles that has lost three teams and sort of fickle by nature. Um... So, you know, in our minds, you know, playing all, all these scenarios out, we move teams like a, on a chessboard. But I think the league is very circumspect about doing that because, you know, you are alienating 
large fan bases, yeah. uh, just like St. Louis. I mean, people were people were enraged the Rams were leaving. So I don't think you can move them as simply as that. The Chargers had the opportunity, but that's passed for now. Yeah, well, what interests me about the Chargers is Dean Spanos is a guy whose roots are very much in San Diego, and it, it strikes me as a, a, a strange move. I, I can't imagine he wants to be the guy to take them out of San Diego. And likewise, I can't really imagine the NFL in a warm weather city with the potential for a new stadium and yet another Super Bowl venue would like the Chargers out of San Diego. So it seems to make too much sense for the Chargers to remain in San Diego. Well, you notice that when the, there was talk about the Chargers leaving San Diego, there was instantly talk about the Raiders moving into San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. One of the um, m- most sort of... Um, if you, you talk about bad facts in an argument, the bad fact for the Chargers was they made too much money in San Diego uh, to, to yeah. cry poor and say they needed to leave. Yeah. They had an old stadium, but San Diego's a robust market, yeah. and the league does not want to be out of San Diego. So, uh, And I think you're right. I don't think Dean Spanos wants to be that guy, because once you do that, you are the quizzling. Yeah. You know, who has really betrayed you your community. Of Art Model, how he's looked upon in Cleveland yes. and that kind of thing. That, that kind of sticks, Jim Essay and Voldemort. Absolutely. The family name uh, becomes synonymous with the traitor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you may, and just like uh, uh, Stan Kroenke is in St. Louis yeah. right now. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make a reservation at a restaurant under that name. <laughs> just, just a piece of advice. I know you guys are going to be making res- restaurant reservations. If you're in St. Louis, don't don't reserve it under Stan Kroenke's name. <laughs> and obviously, the the other team within this now are the Raiders. I mean, I've seen the the Las Vegas renderings, which to me, with the gambling, I'm not sure there's a fit there. Yeah. But but that deal that's on the table from. From the um, from the Rams is actually a really good deal for the second team, an incredible deal. In yeah. fact, um, would you expect them to take that if the opportunity presents itself? I next think year? they'd leap on that deal. Yeah, uh, you know, especially if they are, are feeling a free agent right now. And I don't think that that um, you know, I, I don't know that Mark Davis has the same aspirations about sort of the institutional wealth as, yeah. as Dean Spanos might have. Uh, Mark Davis wants to have a good situation, play in a new stadium. I don't think he's as averse to uh, to moving to Hollywood Park. And excuse me, he likes that site, likes the Hollywood Park site. I mean, his dad wanted to build there. Yeah. Um, I think Mark Davis would like to stay in Oakland if possible. You know, sort of, in, and exercise the the sins of the father, yeah. if you will. Uh, but if that were the situation in Los Angeles, and that were open, and they didn't have any. Uh, prospects of getting something done in Oakland. If you look at say, I would jump on that in a heartbeat. And yes, I would be like the old configuration in New York, where it's the Jets playing in Giants yep. Stadium. Yeah, I get that. But you'd be a very rich version of the Jets. Yeah, I would guess. I mean, certainly down the line that day, it looks like it would pay off handsomely once the once the five hundred and fifty millions being paid off over that ten year period. Right. It, it's kind of a cash cow from that point on, I guess. Yeah, and and unlike the Chargers, you've got a fan base. You've got a yep. you've already got a built-in fan base in Los Angeles that that will be activated instantly if you were to move. Uh, Chargers would have to really start from scratch. And if the uh, if the Raiders were in San Diego and the Rams were in L.A., which they will be, and the Chargers were mo- to move in as as the second tenant, they'd have to they'd have a difficult time because clearly. The Rams would own Orange County and Los Angeles, 
and the the Raiders were on San Diego. Yeah. So where are those fans going to come from? Yeah, and and just finally with it as well. I mean, Mark Davis doesn't strike me as a guy who would team up with somebody ownership wise in the way that the Giants did for example so it kind of solves that problem he needs funding from elsewhere if he's going to build a stadium which doesn't look like he's willing to do so it kind of solves that big issue that they're facing as well yeah you get the feeling that Mark Davis would be happy to have a seat at the table as opposed to Dean Spanos who has lived a life as the king of San Diego uh, unquestioned you come into L.A., and maybe you're not the second team. You might be the third or fourth team when you count in the Dodgers and the Lakers and USC football and, and those things. You, you might be a complete afterthought in L.A. Sam Farmer there, all about L.A. So let's talk about our all-division team for the NFC Western. Well, some of your tweets that came in were specific to this. Uh, just having a quick look through them. I think, in fact, I'd say most of these about the NFC West in general. There is one, which is every division seems to have a particularly bad position. Here it is, tight end. Can we have two running backs instead? Asks Bobby Wilcox. Get out, Wilcox. Uh, I, I can't believe you said the tight end's a bad position as we're about to speak with Lance Kendricks. How very dare you? But most of the rest of the questions are about the division in general. So let's, let's fire our way through the rest of the questions after we've done the teams and heard our interviews. So, Ollie, defence, offence, where do you want to start this time? Well, I think uh, seeing as Bobby Wilcox is slagged off the Lars Kendricks, <laughs> let's, let's hear from probably, I would say, the nicest tight end I've ever spoken to. Wow, that is damning with faint praise. Well, I've only spoken to one tight end, <laughs> and it's Lance Kendricks. Uh, here's Lance Kendricks. I spoke to him during the Play 60 event when uh, a lot of the players uh, involved in the International Series came over to London. Uh, I think it was about a month or two ago, about six weeks ago. Here's Lance Kendricks. We are recording. Great. Hey, Lance, how you doing? How you doing? Good. Uh, Ollie, I'm, I work for uh, TalkSport Radio, which okay. is a big radio station here. Yes. Uh, so, you're in London. Yes. How's it feel? Is this your first time here? No, this is my second time, actually. Uh, we played out here a couple years ago, uh, I think in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I love it out here. It's just, uh, it, it reminds me of home, just a little bit different, but um, it's, it's great. It's great being out here with the kids and just playing around and just running around and teaching them how to play football. It's really, they're so enthusiastic. I'm not unsure whether it's because they've got the day off school or they get to actually be in, outside playing playing sport. I think it, I'm hoping the latter, right? I would say a little bit of both. <laughs> I can remember being a, a ten year old and wanting to and have a, a blast. If any time you can get out of school and just come out here and run around with some uh, NFL players, that, that's an awesome time. But um, I'm sure they they have so much energy. The two teams I coach were just running around like crazy i don't even know if they care if they won or not they were just like oh football players just run around so um, it, it's a, it was a good time teaching them how to catch the ball and kind of how to catch and or catch throw and uh and uh, run run with the football how bored are you of us answering questions about the franchise moving <laughs> across the across the country to la that's uh, my job i'm not bored <laughs> i get asked about it all the time man. it's uh it's exciting honestly it's it's you know it's a once in a lifetime thing. Uh, well, you know teams don't really move like that in the NFL or in any other sport uh, for that for that matter. But it's been an unbelievable experience being able to go from one city to another and just kind of 
learning that culture and kind of taking it all in. And now coming from there, from LA to out here has been amazing. You know, this is, like I said, a once in a lifetime experience. So I'm just taking it all in. I'm enjoying it and um, I'm having a great time. It looks like you're going to have a new quarterback uh, throwing to you and hopefully increase your 190 plus passes, uh, uh, sorry, catches in the NFL so far. Um, what are you expecting from, from Jared Goff? Uh, just, I think just the ability to, his ability to throw the ball is amazing. And, um, you know, he's only going to get better. His potential is through the roof. And I'm expecting him just to really take it all in because we have a veteran quarterback in Casey Keenum who's really showing him the ropes and who's really uh, standing behind him the whole way. And um, we have a group of veteran receivers now, and uh, me as a tight end. So we, we, we have the pieces around him to really make him feel comfortable. We have a great O-line now. So we have everything around him just to kind of build off of and learn and for him to become a, a great player. Man, I can't believe you missed one guy out. I spoke to him at the Super Bowl, uh, the uh, offensive rookie of the year last year. Oh, yeah. Come on, man. Told Gurley, a word on him. He's, yes. He was outstanding last yes. year. Yes, he was. And he, I think he only played 12 games, maybe. Yeah, I think it was 13, 12, yeah, something, something, something yeah, like that. Something I mean, roughly. you should definitely know. Yes. I should probably yes. know as well. Um, he's, man, he's a game changer is what we will say. And he comes out there and... You hand him the ball, man. He could he could take it all away, and that that's rare in the NFL. You know, he reminds you a lot of like Adrian Peterson, who can really just get the ball and just go. And uh, he's he's so explosive, and he's such a, a good teammate. Um, it's you can't replace him. You know, it's 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 great having him as a teammate. Really nice guys, really gentle. Yes, yes. I mean, a lot of you guys are. I suppose yeah. it helps, but yes. I mean, yeah, really nice guy. What's it? That, your defense is phenomenal. Like, yes. what's it like going up in practice against those guys and thinking? You know, they're top top three defense in the NFL. Yes. That surely makes either you far better or kind of like, oh, my God, I've got to go up against those guys again. It helps to really go against a defense like that every day. You know, it makes your job that much easier because Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, he gives you so many looks um, on as an offensive player. I, I see everything. So when it's game time and when you're playing a team who only plays two, three different coverages, it makes it so much easier. You know, you, you really, we really can learn from each other and we, we always do. You know, if, if I run around and a defensive player didn't know what route I was running, he, we'd talk about it. He'd come up to me and, hey, what was that route? How do you run it? Okay, cool. So, so I, and I asked some questions as well. So it's really cool being able to play against a defense like that every day. It's really a luxury playing against a defense like that every day. Yeah, kind of things like what would make what would I do which, which would make your job harder yes. and as long as you don't tell other, yes. other tight ends you're fine yes. um, I spoke to we, I did speak uh, Dwayne Allen was at yes. uh, the fan forum the other day tight end for the Colts mm-hmm. and he was saying that sometimes he you know not all the time but he might often forget what perhaps the play is <laughs> <laughs> has that ever happened to you do you just just nudge your tackle and say hey buddy yes. what, what are we running here you know what happens is like you'll get a play and then we'll, we'll get so we'll get two plays so people like alright uh, I write 80 dive kill a whole nother play and then the quarterback will be like kill kill 
I'm like, damn, what was that to play? So you hit the, yeah, you hit the tackle, like, like, run this way. So he'll tell you which way the play goes. But, yes, it, it happens. Um, I try not to let it happen in the game because that would be the worst. But it happens in practice all the time. So you'd think with a tackle, they would probably be asking you, those uh, those guys. I mean, come on. Uh, okay, so um, you're playing at a rugby stadium, yes. uh, Twickenham Stadium. You played uh-huh. at Wembley last time around. It'll be, yes. It's slightly different. Yes. Uh, are you looking forward to it? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, from what I understand, there's a huge tradition at this stadium. And um, it's it, playing at Wembley was awesome. I, I can't even... I haven't played at a stadium like that since probably college, and that was an amazing atmosphere to play in. So I can't even imagine what's gonna, what this place is gonna be like. So I'm, I'm really excited to play there. I know there's a tradition at that stadium that's just amazing. So I'm excited, man. I think we all are, and um, it's, it's. Uh, I think the, I think we play in the middle, kind of right in the middle of the season. So um, you know, that's, that's a game that I think I'm gonna definitely be looking forward to. And uh, talking of the season, uh, I suppose the goal is to go. Everyone's goal is to go five hundred and plus. Uh, what, what's the? What's the? What, where do you think this team can go? Playoffs, definitely. Yes, I think the sky is the limit for this team. Uh, we. We, we haven't been 500 since uh, I've been here, since I got drafted here, but I think this team has the potential to just do whatever we can. We, we have all the pieces. Like you said, we have a top defense. We have a Todd, a Todd Gurley. We well, have, you got him in first. I like yes, that. Yes, yes, <laughs> we have a Todd Gurley. We have, so, I mean, you, you, need a, you need a really good defense. You need a really good running back, and you need some wideouts that can make plays, you know, to, to be a, a contender. So I, I think we have those pieces, and it's just a matter of executing and going out there and just being confident and having our identity and just really playing and whilst your stadium's been uh, built in uh, out in LA there's talk of moving games elsewhere across the world yes uh, there was a, a talk about uh, China and the 49ers perhaps would that be something that, that you'd like to do I mean China I don't know whether you've been I've not been but it's, com- it's going to be completely different to, yes. to here and to the US yeah I'm sure uh, it I don't even know if they really watch football. Maybe I'm sure they do. They watch basketball, so I'm sure they watch football. So um, that would be an amazing experience. It's funny because you don't get we don't get time to really go to places like that, and a lot of times we use stuff like this to be able to travel. So um, this has been an amazing experience to come here. So if we were to go to China or I heard Mexico too, that would be awesome. Um, I'm sure we'd gain fans. You know, I think that's the purpose is to kind of let our sport go international and to gain fans around the world. So it'll be great. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, fascinating stuff Lance Kendricks there I particularly enjoyed obviously we talked a lot about the fact they're coming over to London there a couple of questions came in regarding London that we'll get to as well but uh, fascinating the stuff about potentially because we're hearing the Rams are going to play in China potentially a divisional game with the 49ers as well in two years time I've been backing for a long time that I don't understand why that team aren't one of the ones already announced as going to Mexico I think it makes sense for the three years that they're building the new stadium that they should be in Mexico every year I know that's not going to happen now but LA has a huge Mexican population. Mm. Why not ingratiate yourself with them by going and playing in their home nation? But you know, that's just it's a massive country. And, yeah. and um, what Lance was saying there as well was going over to China. It's just all about expanding the game. And he, he clearly loves the game. He loves being a part of the LA Rams. He loves being part of the NFL. And I think a lot of NFL players are, are very, very similar and want to expand it. And he was telling me, we didn't get it uh, on the interview there, that the interview had finished, but he was telling me that a lot of his teammates would love to come over here to London and do stuff like this as well. So 
I was a, I'm a massive fan of his, and for that reason, he is the second of my tight ends to have made the team. <laughs> I assume number one is Vance McDonald. <laughs> oh, it's this fake-out thing that you're doing <laughs> for every single time. Well, I, I assume uh, our quarterback is Blaine Gabbard. No, it's Christian Ponder. No, you, it's, you understand uh, I'm going to name a 49er at every position. In this yeah, race. I understand. Has a 49er made your team anywhere? I've got two 49ers. I've got two 49ers as well. I bet you we have the same two 49ers. Easily. I've put one of my 49ers I've only put in there because I like you. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> nice, mate. Um, I, I'm going to have no Packers in my NFC North team, not even Aaron Rodgers. Get out. I'm going to pick Matthew Stafford instead. You make I'm going to have Jay Cutler in my all NFC North team. You make me Aaron sick. Rogers. Well, we could make a, an, an NFL team of players that hate Will Gavin. Let's, we won't let's do, that. do, after we've done our all-division team, let's do our all-hate team. Pick a player at every position that we dislike. That's a great idea. Right, mark it down, because we will forget about it. Uh, But for tight end, it's got to be Jimmy Graham. I know there was a lot of... He didn't have have a great first season. There was a lot of questions about him first season, but I think an extra year with that scheme, with with the players, getting to know Russell Wilson more, coming off of the injury as well... Uh, he, uh, the the fact that he does have this wealth, this this CV already that he built up with Drew Brees in in New Orleans, he has to be on that starting lineup. If we're going to play two tight ends, the other one would be Lance Kendricks because I love him. Do you know what? Vance McDonald was the best performing tight end in the division last year. Yeah. That's actually true. I know that's true. That had a lot to do with Jimmy Graham's injury. And actually, if you look at Jimmy Graham's numbers on his full season pace, seventy catches. 880 yards, three touchdowns. Obviously, massively down on the touchdowns by his numbers. But if you look at tight end performances all time since the AFC-NFC merger, there are only 26 tight ends have bettered those numbers in that entire 51-odd mm. years. You know, and that was his down year. So, uh, yeah, he's the class of uh, what is a poor group, and that's why yeah, Bobby Wilcox, yeah. you're wrong. Um but his performance has a lot to do with what happens at quarterback. Yeah. Which brings us to the quarterback spot. Oh, it's easy. It's an easy, easy call, this. It's Russell Wilson. It's Carson Palmer. It's Russell Wilson. It's Carson Palmer. It's not. It's Russell Wilson. It's Carson Palmer. It's Russell Wilson. I know you've got this love for him because of, 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 um, of uh, All or Nothing it's Russell Wilson. Carson Palmer. I know Russell Wilson didn't manage to have sex with Ciara for such a long time, but now he is. It's Russell Wilson. Right. Here's the thing with the Russell Wilson hype train. Uh, it's Russell Wilson. <laughs> I, I, I think Russell Wilson is a good, verging on great NFL quarterback. I think too many of his plays are based on his reaction and scrambling abilities. And the problem with that is that you saw exactly the same from a number of players over recent years, Colin Kaepernick being very much one of them. Don't get me wrong, his mechanics, his intelligence are nowhere near what Russell Wilson's are. I'm just giving an example. Players who did that in their career and after four or five years drop off because they didn't learn how to be a different quarterback. You see now Ben Roethlisberger, who might be the number one quarterback in the NFL right now after Aaron Rodgers is down here, was what Russell Wilson was five years ago and has developed into the great all-round quarterback. The problem with Russell Wilson is if he can do what he did in the last five games of last season... I'm glad you've brought that up. ...and take out his playoff performances because he did not play well in either playoff game. True. But if you take out... If he can do what he did in the last five games of last season and expand that over 16 games, I will stand here and I will tell you that Russell Wilson is 
the number two quarterback in the NFL, maybe the number three, but certainly in that range. Brady, Rogers, Roethlisberger, and this man. That's oh, we're talking about that sort of company. Yes, but before the last five of games last season. All of his great plays were based on extending the play. Lots of scrambling, yeah. Which is a great talent to have. But I tell you now, the number of occasions where in an Alex Smith-esque fashion, he left an easy throw on the field because he pulled the ball down too early because he didn't get through his progressions. He's a great player because he can improvise and because he's intelligent. But actually, he's not doing some of the core stuff right. He did do it right in those five games. If he comes out this season and he does that, not only could he win the Super Bowl this year quite handily, but I will eat my hat and I will say, that's the guy. But until he does that, Carson Palmer is the better all-round quarterback and fits the system that I'm playing better. Your problem is you're going on last season alone. I'm not Russell, going on last Russell season Russell Wilson alone. has I'm a Super Bowl ring. He's got a Super Bowl defeat. He is a class quarterback. He's, he, he's uh, proven right. it. If Carson okay, Palmer, he had some issues if last Carson year. Palmer had the defense and uh, the running game that the Seahawks had in those two seasons and the season before that, let's give them the love they deserve, yeah. Carson Palmer would also be a Super Bowl winning quarterback, most likely. I love Carson Palmer. The fact is, is that Carson Palmer, the, what's underrated about him is he's a great pocket passer. He has an issue with playoff games. He looks like he struggled at the end of last year. And he mentally seemed to get over that and then fell apart against the Panthers. But actually, you see the play that he made to Larry Fitzgerald yeah. in that Packers yeah. game. And not only is he one of the best readers of the field of anyone in the NFL, and I think he's up there with Manning, and I think he's up there with Brady, and I think he's up there with Rivers as how he reads the game pre-snap. But he knew exactly what was coming there. He he can't have known Fitzgerald was going to blow his route, but he kept his eyes on the field. He kept looking downfield. He never panicked. And actually, that's Russell Wilson-esque in terms of what he did there. And people don't expect it from an old man. Right now, for this season, Carson Palmer would be my choice. What you're if doing... Russell it- Wilson does it, then yes, I'm fine with that. I will take Russell Wilson for the quarterback for this year and the next 10 years for the NFC West. But for this season, he's not proven What you're yet. doing is you're negating Russell Wilson for because of... A, a, an iffy start to last season and then you you conceded that it was a great great finish to the season nay the uh wasn't nay, an iffy start to the season it was a bad start nay to the season. nay the playoffs and then you're picking carson palmer on the strength of one play you make me no, sick I'm not you I'm, make me sick Will i've Gavin. given you an example <laughs> of a play as an example of what he does mentally i can give you another 50 plays i don't from need him season if i don't I have need the him time to look do you know it. what it is a Twitter poll, but for the sake of us moving on, because I want to talk oh, it's to... Not, it's not a Twitter poll, because Russell Wilson will win hands down, because he's the flashier, more exciting player to watch. But go and listen to people like Greg Cosell. Go and listen know, to people like, like people who know the game much better than I do, and they will tell you that whilst Wilson has the potential to be the best quarterback in his whole group... Better than Luck, better than Cam Newton at the moment. In the all AFC West, uh, NFC West team, you are go- I'm doing this on consecutive uh, days has really stuffed me up, man. <laughs> um, so you're saying we should have done a different division. <laughs> we doing, really should have done. Doing double West has really screwed you over. <laughs> it really has. You're saying at the NFC West, it's got to be Russ. It's got uh, Carson Palmer. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what? Because for the sake of. <laughs> Don't don't bow down to me. For the sake of wanting to talk and and talk to Todd Gurley, who I love, 
let's go with Carson Palmer. <laughs> I can't believe you bowed down to that. We're going to get so much crap for that. You're an absolute disgrace. I'm only doing it. I don't even believe it. I, in fact, my Let, fingers are crossed the whole time. Let's talk running backs. Um, because there needs to be two in here. Whether people like it or not, you've got two running backs here who might be the two best running backs to come out in the draft in the last 10 plus years. And that's Todd Gurley and David Johnson. Yeah. And, 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 and it's not even close. And I the thing think. is, David Johnson, I think people are underrating him right now because they see him as a fantasy darling. But this mm. season, he has the potential to be up there as a top three back. And don't get me wrong, I think Todd Gurley is a once-in-a-lifetime talent, but I actually think David Johnson could prove to be that sort of level as well. And he's on a better team, so he could outperform Todd Gurley this season with being on a better team. I'm so excited about him. Todd Gurley just about pips him, but David Johnson is a player I'm so excited about this year as well. You are ten- picking 10th in a fantasy league. The main protagonists have gone. David Johnson's still there. Do you take him? Where I, where I mean main protagonists, I'm talking um, Odell. I'm talking Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Todd well, Le'Veon Ger- Bell slipping in second rounds now. Well, okay, but whatever. You know what I mean. So, yeah. so um, you know, uh, Todd Gurley, the, the big dogs. I took, I, took, I took David Johnson sixth in a mock draft the other day, and that's I stand what, by that That's decision. all I wanted to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he has the potential to be the number one fancy back this year. I think that, we, we don't know what we're going to have Ezekiel Elliott, but the three standouts for me right now are Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, and him. Adrian Peterson. Wow. Ezekiel Elliott is going in the top ten. Yeah, and Adrian Peterson has to, go in, it has to be in that conversation as well, but there's always that fear that he's what you're an old doing, man now. What you're doing is you're drafting an O-line and a running back when you draft a running back, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And when we look at our O-line, I understand why you've... <laughs> You're picking uh, David Johnson. But let's hear from Todd Gurley. We spoke to him on Radio Row. Um, it was the day that he won Rookie of the Year. We actually spoke to him probably about three or four hours before uh, they all uh, they all got together downtown in San Francisco and announced that decision. But let's be honest, by that point, we kind of knew it was coming. And so... So did he. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he really did. And so here is your Rookie of the Year, Todd Gurley. It's a genuine delight to be joined by the guy who I'm absolutely convinced tomorrow night is named as Offensive Rookie of the Year. Todd so. Gurley of the now LA Rams... Uh, Todd, first of all, how are you enjoying your Super Bowl 50 experience, man? Oh, it's, it's been good, man. Um, got to meet all these Hall of Famers, these great players out here. So it, it's definitely been a blast for sure. Awesome. Who's been saying you're meeting Hall of Famers? Who's been your highlights? There's someone who's inspired man, you. Man, I met Emmitt Smith at like 6.30 this morning. Who else did I see? Seen Jerome Bettis last night. Seen Charles Haley just sitting around, chilling. <laughs> you know Donovan McNabb he, he in the he Pro was, Bowl I mean he he's not a Hall of Famer but I just he, sat beside him during the interview he was sat in that very seat about this very seat did an interview with Tiki Barber this, this morning it, hey man incredible don't get don't get no no we, ac- we actually spoke to you for a draft edition of our magazine a little over a year ago and did you imagine that when you were picked so high by the Rams that you'd go on and have a season like you had this year um I didn't man you know my main focus was just trying to get back on the field and just trying to stay healthy and you know for me to be able to, to get back after this knee surgery and do what I was able to do I was definitely grateful and you know I can't can't thank nobody else but God for that and, and recovering from that knee injury and, and having to do it the hard way and still getting drafted so high 
Just talk us through that process and when you first hit the field, what that feeling was of finally getting to play your first down in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, man. Oh, give me the goosebumps, man. It was just like a, it was just a sense of relief just to know that all that hard work, just all them hours and, you know, rehab sessions that you're finally on the field, you finally cleared, you know. So it, it was definitely a, a great feeling just just being out there again. I definitely look forward to getting back on the field for sure. And, and it was not in the first week where you took your first naps, but the week after where you had that huge breakout game going, I think, about 150-odd yards. And what seemed to be amazing about you is you were so elusive, finding holes, but also elusive in the backfield. You seemed to pick up NFL football like it was easy. <laughs> I, I, like I tell guys, man, I've been playing football my whole life. Like, the, the game haven't changed, you know. It's just a lot better players. <laughs> Do you think going up against the likes of Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald up in, in practice, that has made you a better player? Oh, yeah, man. Just the way you practice, the whole practice habit thing, is, that's what it's all about, you know, just making sure you go to practice, you're getting those good reps. And those guys, you know, they motivate you because they're, they're, those guys are some hard workers, so you just see the way they work, and, you know, that just makes you want to work even harder. Hey, look, man, we just know you've, you've only had your first season in the NFL, but already you're moving cities. You've gone from St. Louis to L.A. How excited are you about that move? Um, it's exciting, man. You know, it was kind of weird at first, like I say, because you know you you feel bad for the fans. You know, just growing up, you all you know, all I know is St. Louis Rams, and you know to take a team out of a city, you know, you definitely feel bad for the fans. But it's out of your control, and you know, it's not too much you can do about it. Was that Ezekiel Elliott you were just waving yeah, at behind he's us? Yeah, St. Louis boy too. So yeah, I was going to say, yeah. look, guys, guys who know each other, uh, what what advice would you give him as a guy who's probably going to go in the first round this year? Um, you know, just stay humble, work hard, man, and you know, just 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 keep working hard, do the same thing that got you here, and, and you'll be just fine. Fantastic, and, and of course, your team are coming over to London this oh, year. Here he comes. And, hey, What's good, hey, brother? Zeke, man, how are you doing? Feel free to come and jump in and join in with us. <laughs> You're more than welcome to. <laughs> I, I, I think we'd get in trouble with this PR if we did that. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're coming over to London this year, and there are a number of guys. We had Michael Brockers on with us yesterday okay. who have been there and have done that. When that was announced, first of all, was it something that you guys were excited about? And have any of the guys who have been before talked to you about um, it? It was just kind of random. It was like, yeah, we're going to be playing in London. But I think if, if first initially it was just like we're going to be playing in London but it's going to be between like I know it was like the Giants or the Redskins so you didn't kind of know at first and then now I guess it's against the Giants so it was pretty cool man I'm you know just talking to other guys it's like oh no you're definitely going to enjoy that trip so I think we're going to play I don't know how the schedules came out yet yes I I think we're going to play the Jets and then we're going to fly fly over to London for the week so it'll be cool man I'm definitely excited I got a chance to go to um where did I go? I haven't been overseas in quite a while. I went, I went to Lille, France. Lille, yeah. yeah Lille, oh, wow. Yeah, 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 it was about... Wow, that's neat. Uh, it's a lovely by, part my, of the world. 11th grade, yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely excited to take that, you know, what is it, eight-hour flight from probably New York? You got you yeah. got your passport sorted already? I do. I got it. I got it. I got my stamp. <laughs> no, it's good. I just got mine, um, like, a year ago. Fantastic. Yeah. And for us in the UK, we're getting excited to see Todd Gurley, the explosive playmaker against Odell Beckham. Not at the same time on the field, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But selling those big names. And, and why do you think young guys like yourselves have had such an opportunity in the NFL to, to just be so good so quickly you came out and just second game bang did it yeah it, it was crazy man um you know my linemen they, they did a great job they opened up holes and it was so funny just just watching the first game because like my steps like my steps was all wrong like that first game just like 
if I was taking the proper steps and like the proper tracks, you know, I probably could have had a lot more bigger runs. But it's crazy how I, I developed, you know, from that first game to to the last game. For sure. Well, what I love is Doug Early telling us he could have had more big runs <laughs> this season. Well, because you look at it, you just like what? My teammates be like, what kind of steps are you taking? And I'm like. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we loved watching it. Whatever it was you were doing, we, we, we were big, big fans of it, I have to yeah, say. Yeah. Uh, so, is the offensive rookie of the year. The announcement will be made tomorrow. We, there are huge expectations. You're the favorite. What would it mean to you to win that award? Oh, it would mean a lot. You know, just, just for the, the fans to vote, you know, me on this award, it would definitely mean a lot. Like I said earlier, I said, Jameis and Amari, got the, they got the national championships. At least let me get at least one award, you know, man. They already went higher than me in the draft. <laughs> They're being too, selfish. So. Yeah, they definitely are. And what's uh, I've been trying, to, been trying to catch up with those guys since my freshman year. And what's this I hear about you wanting to be a movie star? I'm, I'm not a movie star, but <laughs> hey, man, if, if there's some job openings, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> look, Todd, we really look forward to you coming over to London later this year and seeing how you do in L.A. and, and go into that second season. Good luck for Saturday night, and uh, it's been real fun catching up. Thank you, man. I'm looking forward to it. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELT40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus. New UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. BeGambleAware.org. That is still my favourite picture that I've taken with an NFL player. Such a smiley man. I, I, I mean, I am, and he was. And I put it on Instagram, uh, Ollie Hunter Instagram, and uh, <laughs> I still get people now liking it. You know what he's gonna? You know what you're gonna love from that first episode of Hard Knocks is that they've revealed that Todd Gurley has a real mouth on him, particularly in training. Like he's constantly giving defensive players stick, like and not naming them, calling them by their number, even the big names. And he's just, he's like just going, "You can't catch me, fifty three. You can't catch me." And it's so it's so hey, so funny. ninety four Quinn, you're. Sh- man <laughs> i'd love all right love, mate. sorry nobody's dude. gonna say that to robert quinn sorry dude uh, um <laughs> but i i love him i i honestly i i fall in love with people very easily i fall in love with todd Gurley. uh here's an interesting one because we're going to talk about the line in a minute and i don't know why we've left this for last on the offense wide receiver and i feel like we're gonna have a very similar argument to the one we had about 15 minutes ago what does your give me your wide receiver call um, you see, I'm. I think there's two stand out, and then I'm struggling. Okay, go on. It's Larry, Larry Fitzgerald, absolutely. He might be old, but he had one of his best seasons last year. Not necessarily statistically, but what he did for that team, the run blocking, that uh, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Loved him. Doug Baldwin. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're actually angry. Doug Baldwin had his best ever season. I think. He led the league in wide receiver touchdowns. I think it was something like something ludicrous, like fourteen, something like that. Um, he's regularly found. He's got great hands. We saw that one-handed grab in the centre of the field against uh, 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 against the team last season. I like Doug Baldwin. I th- I think he's a bit of a fantasy darling, but you know. So, so here's, here's here's my thing with Doug Baldwin, and don't get me wrong. 
he actually made it as my number three receiver. John Brown was my yep. Was my that's my slot two. receiver. I had yeah, Fitzgerald, John Brown, and then I umdenard between Michael Floyd and Doug Baldwin because Michael Floyd has the talent to be a top guy and you were talking about chemistry and yesterday's show in terms of the O-line. He, he has everything there to be it. Here's my problem with Doug Baldwin. Through week nine last year against San Francisco, three touchdowns. Yes, yeah. In the last seven weeks of the season, he scored a further 11 touchdowns. Yeah. He had three against Pittsburgh, two against Minnesota, three against Baltimore, two against Cleveland, one against St. Louis, and then didn't score against Arizona in the final week. Those kind of runs are incredibly rare, except for a very, very top-tier talent. You know, we're talking your T.O.'s, your Jerry Rice's, those kind of players. I don't think Doug Baldwin's up there, and much like with Russell Wilson, and it came, what a surprise, it came during Russell Wilson's hot streak when he suddenly became a pocket passer out of nowhere. I need to see that Doug Baldwin continues that this season before I turn around and say, he's a standout, I pick him every time. I've picked him, but Doug Baldwin, for me, is one of those people who... Coming back to being fancy darlings again, he's going far too high in drafts for me to take him I don't, because I, I don't, don't trust the consistency. I would. There are plenty of wide receivers that I would take. And if I was doing a draft, if he's still there and I'm picking maybe my fourth wide receiver, I'd take him. But I would never... He's not a guy that I'd pick up. But I think, actually, on, the, on offense... Well, offensive line is pretty weak on, in, in this division <laughs> as well. But on offense... In this division, I think the wide receiver, the the wide receivers, it, it it's a poor a poor it's, class. It's a, it's a ground and pound division. It's a division with, despite the fact we're going to talk about the offensive line being reasonably weak, it's a division that runs the ball. It's a division that believes in tough defense, and that hasn't really changed. It's you know it's got that similar yeah. kind of AFC North feel to it, although they do have some great passes in there. But that similar hard nosed. Up front one foot Grind it out. Yeah, yeah. And, and absolutely, and I get that. But I think uh, Doug Baldwin's in my team, but the small sample size concerns me. Yes, and that's why he's, he was in mine. And, and uh, John Brown, he's got great hands. He's brave as anything, and he's fast. He's so fast. So he's in it. Shall we get to our first 49er of this so far? It's not in... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, okay. Joe yes. Staley. Yay! And what's amazing is a member of the 49ers offensive line, which has to go down as one of the worst offensive lines in the history of football, uh, has managed to make it on because as an individual talent, he's up there with the best left tackles in the league. And he had a down there last year. But when the other four members of your line are made up of guys picked in the sixth round or later, undrafted guys, people who have moved positions, it was an absolute mess. They lost, losing the two guards over the previous two seasons was a real problem for the 49ers. But Joe Staley, is a top-level ta- talent. And don't be wrong, Jared Valdir had a good, a really good 2015, but Joe Staley is the standout talent. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's not even close, I don't think, with this. He was, it, I mean, he's brilliant. The words not even close, actually, are exactly what described my left guard situation. Uh, I literally wrote, Mikey Upati, not even close. <laughs> and... You would be right. <laughs> uh, Mikey Patty, one of those two guards, the 49ers, lost uh, for the Cardinals last year. You just have to see that Seahawks game in Century Link and see the impact that it had on the entire offense when they lost him, uh, when he went out for that injury and was carted off the field. By an ambulance on the field. Never seen that before. 
I mean, for a spectacle like that, that was amazing. And he is one of the best run-stuffing guards in the league. And in a, in a division, if we're going to have Todd Gurley and David Johnson, we'd do a lot worse than having Mikey Party. The left-hand side of our line, I have to say, Ollie, looks pretty strong. I mean, really strong. Right-hand <laughs> right side, we've got Evan Mathis. Uh, yeah, uh, Evan Mathis is a... You know how we talk about fancy darlings? Mm. Uh, Evan Mathis is an analytics darling. Because pro Sorry, football how, fans, how the drop like that analytics guy? darling. That's too close to fantasy darling. Uh, analytics darling. <laughs> no. God. Uh, because pro football focus absolutely love him. But that's because pro football focus put as much love into run blocking as they do into pass blocking. Evan Mathis is a good, if not great, run blocking guard. He is a terrible pass blocking guard. One of the worst in the league. And that kind of he started to improve that side of his game but i i wrote even though he's really poor in pass blocking brackets worst position in any division in football <laughs> as the right like i looked at the rankings for right guard for the entire nfc west and they ranked 35 right guards in total because of people who came in and rotated and i think the four starters all came 25th or lower wow it was terrible. Um, and then I've got... Who did you have at right tackle? Well, um, I've gone Jared Valdir. Because... <laughs> <laughs> yes! I'm all, I'm all good on that. Switch Jared Valdir out to the right. Yeah. We've got a deal. Because <laughs> I've got Rob Havenstein. No, I'm not having it. Um, I also put DJ Humphreys this year, question mark. One of the most disappointing draft picks of recent seasons, but maybe, maybe on the right he can do it. No, look, we've done it on other, on other ones. Yeah. I think either Joe Staley or Rob, uh, Val, uh, what's his face? What's Jared Valdi here, sorry. Um, either of those guys will, will be better than anyone else <laughs> in the division playing out of position. Joe, Joe Staley is, an, uh, is a brilliant run, um, is a brilliant pass blocker, so Valdir suits the right side more. Uh, and then at centre, I've got Tim Barnes of the Rams. I haven't. I've gone... Have you gone for the guy from the Cardinals? Yeah. Um, AQ... AQ Shipley. Do you know what? I couldn't decide between Tim Barnes and AQ Shipley. Let's just take AQ Shipley. The fact that we've got all those in the other middle card- of our line is all Cardinals, and at least that's something. Well, and when we've got Gurley and David Johnson as our running backs, you know... The- yeah. AQ Shipley's a guy who's had four teams in four years and has never done anything particularly stand out, but he was consistently okay last season. Yeah. And that's all we're going to get. Uh... Defensive side of the ball, then, and this front seven. I talked about the the, the defense on the last game. This front seven looks pretty, pretty, pretty good. But I struggled a little bit fitting in all of my players into the front seven. So I'm going to be interested to hear how yours looks. Well, but uh, sh- before we do that, should we talk to one of them? Uh, oh, should we talk to two of them? Let's do both back to back. Now, only one of these made my team. Yeah, me I have too. to tell you, but when you're going up against the front sevens of the Seahawks, the Cardinals. Oh, it used to be the 49ers. Do you remember Justin Smith and Alden Smith? I remember them. Brothers. That was was good, wasn't it? Brothers. (laughs) In everything but name. Wait, hold on. In nothing but name. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, let's hear from uh, the guy who was um, hands down my defensive rookie of the year. I can't remember if he won it or not. No, Marcus Peters won it, didn't he? But Aaron Donald is one of the most disruptive players in the entire of the NFL. And the man who lines alongside him, who's not bad himself, Michael Brockers. Uh, Let's hear from the two of them as we spoke 
to them on Radio Row. Right, we're back at Radio Row, and I'm very pleased to say we've got superstar Los Angeles Ram yeah. defensive tackle Aaron Donald with us. Aaron, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I can. Yeah, right, cool. Right, first of all, do you want to talk about kind of what you're here promoting? Uh, we know there's a pretty cool Super Bowl advert. We can see a, what I can only describe as a baby dog monkey hybrid sat on the desk. Pup, puppy monkey baby. You know, the store of the Mountain Dew Kickstart drink, you know. Um, a great commercial, three things, you know, fans love. And, and Super Bowl commercials as a puppy, a monkey, and a baby. It's, and, it's, and it's all in one, so... It's a pretty cool commercial, funny commercial, and even better drink. So. Yeah, and we, I mean, I think back to kind of the mean Joe Green Coca-Cola commercials <laughs> and that kind of thing. Is this going to be the next one that we're talking about in 20 years? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely going to be one you see, you're going to laugh at all. Every time you see it, you're going to laugh. I still, every time I see it, I still laugh now. So it's, it's going to occur, a good commercial, um, a great drink, and Mountain Dew Kickstart, you know, with, with the nut, with, with the dew and a, and, a, and a real fruit fruit juice in it and a, um, yeah. a little bit of caffeine. So it's, it's pretty good. Brilliant, and we'd be remiss of us not to talk about football after the season that you had last year. What's it like for you now? You kind of you've had two years in the league, and you were the only guy last year in the same conversation as JJ. What I mean, what's it been like for these first two years? Oh, you know, been, this is the type of years I, I dreamed about as a kid coming into the league. You know, this I dreamed about moments like this and, and having the success I had so early in my year in my career so far. So. I mean, it's just the beginning. You know, I got a lot more work I need to do and a lot of more things I need to clean up and fix, but, you know, I ain't played my best football yet. That's what I say. And, and so I'm excited about it and, and I'm just blessed to be where I'm at right now. So, And and obviously the big news for you guys this offseason is the move to Los Angeles. We spoke to Michael Brock as your defensive yeah. line mate yesterday. He was excited about the move. How do you feel about yeah, it? Yeah, I'm pumped up about it. You know, it's a fresh start for us. Um, New beginnings and a lot more opportunities are going to be in, in L.A. for us. You know, you might see a couple of Rams and a couple of commercials now. Yeah. So um, we just we just are pumped up about it. And I know the fans in L.A. Are pumped up about it. And we just we happy to go. We happy to go there and get get going and start work. And how do you reflect on last season? Because I said this to Michael yesterday, but if you look at your wins last year, you might have had one of the best resumes in the entire NFL. But you kind of also had some losses that you may not yeah. have expected. How do you reflect on that? I guess the wins kind of suggest that you guys can really mix it with the elite teams, but you need to put consistency together. You know, anytime you, you lose and, and you don't have the year and the season you won as a team, you, you have a little bit of, um, you're going to be down about it a little bit, but all we can do is continue to work, you know, trying to come back next year and stay healthy. You know, that was the main thing. We, we had a lot of injuries this year that, that hurt us a lot, so stay healthy, continue to play how we plan, and we got all the players around us from defense to offense to special teams that that can um, make the big play at any time, so we as long as we keep working and doing what we're doing, we'll be all right. And there was a lot of scrutiny about Coach Fisher in the off-season. Some people felt that he might be let go. I guess you guys are really behind him, and, and it probably is a make-or-break year for, for him in, in, well, Los Angeles now. Does that give you guys that extra kind of push to really make it a big year? Yeah, we're just going to do our job. You know, we work, we work, like you said, we with Coach Fisher 110%. You know, we, 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 we believe in everything he's doing. We believe in the talent he's bringing in, helping us, and... Um, all we got to do now is, um, like I said, stay healthy, go out there and win some games and these, give these fans something to cheer about. That's what it's about, winning games in this league. So. And looking forward, that first game back in Los Angeles could be one of the best occasions we've seen in the NFL mm. in recent years. I guess even just at the conclusion of this season, that's something you're already looking forward to. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm pumped up. You know, I'm ready for it. I know the fans in LA is pumped up with us, so... Um, we're ready, like I said, ready to go out there, go to work, and, and give these fans something to cheer about. Absolutely, and I mean, you guys on defense, there's outstanding talent on defense, you've, you've been really good. 
offensively it's not been the, as consistent is it a quarterback away of this team do you think and, and do you think Case Keenum could potentially be the guy um, yeah it's out of Case Keenum and um, Nick Foles yeah we're going to see what happens and I'm with them guys whoever's going to be the starting quarterback I'm with them guys 110% and know they're going to get it done for us you know all they got to do is protect them and, um, and the guys on the, on the, on the outside and they got to make plays and we got Gurley back there running the yeah. ball how he's running the ball um, we're going to be fine you know I ain't nothing to worry about you know First two years didn't go as planned, but this year gonna come even better. You know, we, we, we've been we've been together a little longer. You know, we build that chemistry, we build that bond, and now we just gotta go out there and, and try to win some games. Do you think it's uh, you guys on defense practicing too hard? It's too difficult for the offense in, in practice. <laughs> Is that what's going on? You guys need to to dial it down a, a notch. No, we, we just out there pushing each other. You know, offense yeah. push us, and it's, it's nonstop competition. I support a football competition. You gotta be competitive, and you gotta get each other ready come game time. So you got out there and perform at a high level. So. And, and one thing from our perspective, you're obviously coming to London next year. Um, are you looking forward to the trip overseas? And I, I know that game sold out in the UK in about three hours, yeah. so people are pretty excited for it. Yeah. Are you looking forward to that trip? Have you, have you got your passport? Yeah, yeah I got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped up. Yeah, I'm real pumped up about it, you know. Um, I'm excited about it. You know, anytime you go out there and play a game and, 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 and the fans are pumped up about it too, it's, it's going to be fun. All we got to do is go out there and try to win now. So. It'll be exciting. Are you ready to put on a bit of a show for the London crowd? Oh, for sure. You got to put on a show. Anytime you got to put on a show, you know, so we're going we're gonna to definitely do that. Are you going to do some sort of uh, specialised sack dance or something if uh, to please the, the UK crowd? For sure. I'm going to put something together. We're going to see. Yeah. We're going to make a big play. I'm definitely <laughs> going to do a little dance a little dance or two. So we're going we gonna to definitely get the fans something to watch. So. Cool. Gronk famously did the changing of the guard touchdown celebration a couple of years ago, so maybe you could take some cues I, from I got to top that then, for yeah, sure. got to top it. There's a lot of pressure on that, actually. <laughs> and, I mean, the NFC West is a, is a notoriously tough division, um, but you guys have played those guys really well. You've got a brilliant in-division record. Yeah. If you could combine that with the outer division stuff, you guys could really push for that and get towards the playoff race next year. Yeah, we just gotta, like I said, we got to stay together, continue to fight, continue to battle. And, um, and like I said, as long as we're doing, doing what we're doing on the football field and staying healthy, that's the key thing, staying healthy and, um, and, and finish strong through the whole year. And, and you know, and that start strong and have that middle part when we struggle a little bit and then finish up strong. So we just got to stay together. We'll be all right. Uh, we're just a few days from NFL Honors Night. Is the Defensive Player of the Year title one that you're hoping for? Um, you know, I'm happy to be talked about with it and all that. So um, if it don't happen this year, it's definitely a goal for next year. So Brilliant. Thanks very much. That was great. You have, have, you, um, have you done Super Bowl 50? No. So <laughs> we're a few days away from Super Bowl 50. <laughs> um, how do you see it going? Well, where, where is it going to be won and lost? Because both of these defenses are outstanding, aren't they? Yeah, I think it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a, a horrified defensive game. they got two defensive lines that can get out to the quarterback. But the way Cam Newton's playing and the running game he got with the guys on the edge and making plays for him, you know. I would like to see Peyton Manning go out with a win, uh, win a Super Bowl and end his career the right way. But I just think Cam Newton's going to pull it off. Hey, maybe he's not ending his career. Have you had, uh, seen the rumors? <laughs> You've the, the seen rumors. those rumors. Yeah, you, you never know. They, they, I seen a rumor about something. He might come to the L.A. Rams next year. So. It's all rumors. You never know, but yeah. um, you know. Hopefully, if they win it, he can he can hang it up and because he can go down as one of the best to ever do it. How would it feel though if you're over training camp next year and you you get in your stance and in the sideline is number eighteen? 
and a load of pieces on the sideline. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> no comment, man. It, just, it was just rumors about that, and we're going to just see what happened next year. So, brilliant. Thanks very much. Yeah. Cheers, man. Exciting stuff, so the interviews just keep on rolling in on Radio Row, and uh, absolutely delighted to be joined by defensive tackle of the uh, of the St. Louis. Oh, no, sorry, no, the L.A. Rams. You're a disgrace. First thing that comes out of my mouth, yeah, yeah, I played for the same uh, L.A. Rams. <laughs> well, first, are you excited about the move? I'm excited, very excited, very excited, and I think the city is excited. So, when you have a city just as just as excited as the team is, man. We, we're going to have this, this stadium rocking uh, for, the, for the first couple of... Where are we playing? Uh, the, the Coliseum, Coliseum yeah. The Coliseum rocking. So I'm, how many... How many fans fit in the palace? I'm not sure. It's over 90,000, yeah. I think, for... Uh... <laughs> and I think we might pack 90,000 people in that stadium. Watch you. Watch, I tell you. Especially on that first game. That first game yeah. is going to be ridiculous. I might get you. I, was, I got chills thinking about the first game. Even the first game in the new stadium. I'm personally excited. I won't say who I support, but uh, <laughs> as, as a fan of an NFC West team, I think right, it's right. great to have the NFC West truly back right, right, NFC right. West again. And how does it feel to know you're going to be back closer to those rivals mm-hmm. and, and you know, get those 49ers games just right, down the right. road and Seattle just up the road? Oh, man, it's Those great. plane flights. I hate flying, so those plane flights will be shorter, so I'm, in, I'm in, enjoying it right now. Oh, dude, but you're coming over to England. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that's a... Let me it's, tell you, it's I've about been, an 11-hour flight. I've been, so it's just not okay. my first road. So, you know, we, we played, uh, I think a couple of years ago, we played uh, New England. New England. Yeah. Was that your rookie season? That's my rookie yeah. season, yeah. How did you find it over in London? How did you find I that game? And I, 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 I didn't enjoy the game too much, but <laughs> did enjoy the city and, and, and The Europe. first three or four minutes were great. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe the first offensive drive was great. <laughs> After that, it just was down here. Uh, Tom Brady was Tom Brady that day. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of attention's been focused on Jeff Fisher. Um, a few people were surprised he, he kept his job. But I mean, how do you guys? I guess you guys like Coach Fisher's oh, players. It. And it's, it's love, man. We, we feel like this is a family, a brotherhood, and and we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be us without without Fisher. And I, and I really appreciate him drafting me and you know bringing me along. And and, and I guess. I guess you guys are probably aware that it might be a, a make-or-break year for him. People want to see kind of your young talent turn into that team that we expect right. who gets to the playoffs. Right. Is there that extra incentive with that in mind? Um. Yes. I mean, I mean, we feel like we can get there. You know, last year we just—I don't know. We, we we just couldn't put you know a word to it. But I feel like this team is on a you know on the bridge of just you know being there. Is just yep. you know we need to make those little plays. I think we lost three or four games in overtime this year by a field goal so if we can win those games you know and you put you, know, you put those games we win we get a we get in the playoffs or we get a wild card or something and you put a team like that and we were on fire at the end of the season yeah too. and what I think is interesting with the Rams if you look at all of the teams who finished with a similar record you guys undoubtedly had the best victories so right. that kind of suggests that when you do piece it all together right, that right. you could be something really special right exactly exactly and that's how we look at it so um, we're just going to, going into we, we, I, I appreciate the scene more for, for not pointing the finger and everybody yep. not getting in the media and yep. you know being selfish man this like I said before this team is really a brotherhood if we have any any problems they're all kept in house so um 
that's what I appreciate about this team and I love about this team and I feel that that's the reason why this team will make it so far because that's what the good teams do I, I feel like when you guys came over three years ago we were talking at that point about uh, you know uh, Chris Long Robert Quinn yourself in your rookie right. season and how great that defensive line was right. and it's just got better with Aaron Donald being added to exactly. it as well but it, it kind of feels like that's been there for the last three years so what right. do you think is missing to make that step up Um, I think I don't know man you know the defense is good you know offensively just need to focus on that I don't know you know I think the defense is good we have good key guys this this unit we play we love Greg playing for Greg so I think we're we're, we're all you know dialed in I think offensively you know it should be focused there you know do, I don't want to be I'm not a coach or anything but I think <laughs> you know that should be focused do, do you think kind of we look at the Denver Broncos now and, and as much as it's Peyton Manning a quarterback he isn't the guy he used to right. be clearly do you think that blueprint of how they've got there I mean you guys have a better running back in Todd mm. Gurley who we'll be speaking to mm. later in the week but you are outstanding on defense right. loaded with talent do you think that blueprint is something that you guys could follow it is but we can be better you know um I think I, I read an article a couple of days ago where they were trying to compare us to, to Denver. And, and I looked at Denver, I was like, geez, they, they're getting it done. They yeah. are coming in mm-hmm. in a clutch, you know, fourth quarter. They're after, pay, you know, Tom Brady. I'm like, that's what that's how we need to be. We need yeah. to be when, when the team, when we need to, or when we're called on, we need to, you know, execute and, and, and get that offense back on the field. I think that's what separates good defenses from yeah. great defenses is when when a great defense gets on the field and they need the ball back, they get the ball back. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to change. I think there's actually an interesting comparison as well with the Panthers because uh, the, the kind of 4-3 defense and getting pressure in that fashion right. has gone a little bit out of vogue in the NFL recently. Mm-hmm. Talking about fast outside linebackers, right, right, right. whereas you guys much like the Panthers. You've got yourself, and I mentioned him already, Aaron Donald, right. as that pairing in the middle who can mm-hmm. get pressure. What's it like playing with Aaron? What's your relationship like? Because that's, I mean, right, right, that right. can be so destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I love Aaron. Aaron's, you know, like my little brother, but, you know, I learn so much from him because you know he is a, a student of the game you know he's always watching film he's always watching himself and I just learned from him just learn you know instinctively what what he's feeling you know okay why did you do this why did you do that how did you feel this I'm always asking questions so he's probably I'm probably annoying him but um, <laughs> you know I, I you know our brotherhood and our friendship you know is, is closer so I know how to play off of him you know, or if I mess up in a game blow blow a coverage or whatever, blow an assignment, I can come to him and tell him, okay, that was me, I, I got it, you know, and, and we're going to be fine, and, and we just get it done, man. And, and, and how, how much of that is, is a tandem? Because you've kind of got Aaron, who is famed for that get-off, and he's just lightning quick inside the right. first second, and you're that guy in the middle who kind of stuffs it up, and you've kind of, right. you kind of complement each other really uh-huh. nicely. How important is working as a tandem in that? Yeah, yeah, and... <laughs> And that gets to me a little bit because he makes so many plays. I get jealous. <laughs> I get jealous. I mean, uh, let's be honest. You get somebody and, and you're a competitor. You see somebody make a play, you want to make a play. So, so you're bringing the best um, out of each other. But I have to play the way I play be- to make the defense work. Yeah. So I want to, you know, get off the ball, shoot gaps and stuff like that. But that's not why they got me here. They got me here to, you know, stop the run, good, get pressure in the quarterback's face. And, you know, and, and to solidify that side of the line. But, you know, what he does is what he does. Yeah. And I just try to work off of it. Hopefully he is, you know, get somebody scrambling and I get a, you know, a little cheap sack or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but the NFC West, 
impressed actually with the Seahawks. The line's been an issue this year. The 49ers, we know how decimated they are. Right. And the Cardinals, okay, they've had a brilliant year, but with a lot of older guys as well. Right. Do you look at what's around you in that division and think, actually, do you know what? There's there's something we can target. Right, right, right. I mean, even last year, I mean, we started off the. Uh, I mean, you've got such year. a great record. Right. I think you had the best in division record of a non playoff team in yeah. the whole league. And you right. keep beating those Seahawks as yeah. well. And the bite the Cardinals as well. So. I mean, it, it was rough, you know, beating those teams. And I think we're so built to play NFC West teams. That's what, that's what. We're, that's what we are. You know, we're NFC West team, so we play good against them. And when it comes to non-conference teams, I think that's where we get in trouble. I think we can, I don't know. I don't know. We just got to do Sharpen up. We just, yeah, we got to sharpen <laughs> up, you know, when it comes to away games and stuff like that. But, but is it the same? It's divisional. I know it's the style of football is one thing in the NFC right. West, but also... Is it an extra lift playing those teams? You know, when you're in the locker room and building up, I know players and coaches love that mantra, just another game right. and all of that, but this is... Uh, yeah, this is... Yeah, right, teams, right, right. Surely you're going out there and thinking, I want to hit them harder, right. I want to get to those quarterbacks, and I want to do my exactly, job. Exactly, because when you're in a division, you got to see somebody twice. You might have somebody that, you know, hits you wrong the first game, you're like, okay, I'll see you again. So uh, don't worry about that. So, yeah, definitely uh, playing these NFC West games, and, you know, they're, they're fun to play. Now, I've got to ask you a question. Adam Schefter's tweeted out this morning. You've probably been asked about this already, but the LA Rams uh, have shown interest in bringing in Peyton next season if right. he decides to continue playing football. Right. Just thoughts on the idea of having Peyton I mean, Manning on your team. I don't, I don't want you to throw your current room, back under the Rumors are rumors. I remember yeah. last year they were talking about bringing back Brett Favre, so <laughs> not going to put anything, to put anything <laughs> into it, man. We're just going to play it out, and I just hopefully, hopefully he goes off on top. Great stuff. Sherry? Uh, no, I'm all good. That uh, probably, I, Michael, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you. We're looking forward to you coming over to the UK right, later. Thank you guys year. for having me. What, what, what the UK fans can expect from the Rams? Just give us an idea of what the, what the uh, football's uh, going to look like next year. We're going to be having physical, <laughs> and, 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 and we're going to we're going to rock the place. That's it. That's it. I'm not going to give any any more. Michael, genuine pleasure. Thank you so all much right, for joining thank us. Thank you guys. There we have it. Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers speaking to them at the Super Bowl. Aaron Donald genuinely might be the best defensive tackle in all of football and was the first name on my defensive team sheet for our all-NFC West team. Yeah, easy. Yeah, I, I just... Uh, pro bowler, both his NFL seasons, first team all pro 2015, and he will just build up on that and up on that and up on that. Um, here's, here's the list of... Uh, <laughs> the list of defensive tackles with 20-plus sacks in their first two seasons. Okay. Okay? So, uh, Reggie White. This is from um, an interior position. Reggie White... Kevin Williams, Keith Millard, Dennis Bird, and Aaron Donald. Wow. Hall of Famer. It will be a Hall of Famer. Defensive tackles with 20-plus sacks in their first two seasons. J.J. Watts Watts still exists, and Aaron Donald might be the best defensive player in the NFL last season. Mm-hmm. That like he was that level of disruptive. I absolutely love. Do you mean him. JJ Watt doesn't exist? No, no, no. JJ, I think Aaron Donald had a better 2015 than JJ. Watt Fine, did. understood. Sorry, okay. I, I said that in a very confusing way, and I apologise for that. And interior alongside. Oh yeah, are we playing four three or three four? I've gone four three. I think we've got to do four three. Fine, just making but sure. One of our ends might have to 
kick kick inside. See, no, what, see, what I've done is I've put Michael Bennett in at defensive tackle because he moves between those positions for the Seahawks. Great. Plays a lot of interior as well. So I've got Aaron Donald and Michael Bennett. This is the thing with this. It's ludicrously pass rushing. Yeah. So we're going to have Aaron Donald and Michael Bennett up the middle. Yep. I've got Robert Quinn on one side. Yes. And I've got Calais Campbell on the other. Yes, indeed, have I also. I uh, love that. I love that. See, sometimes when we... Calais Campbell, who, by the way, um, we're going to be having on the show in a few weeks' time, uh, had an email from his agent the other day. We're arranging it for when he has an off day, uh, probably when the season starts rather than before the season. But Claire Campbell's going to join us on the phone. Uh, if you ever heard him interviewed before, really, really good guy. And it was difficult because Cliff Averill probably deserves to be on this list Do you know as what? Well. He's the other guy that I highlighted. It, yeah, I mean... He had a great. He's been great for the last three or four seasons. So the thing, Robert Quinn, ten plus sacks uh, through three seasons, and was on a ten sack pace again last year. Uh, five in the eight games he played because of his injury. He's still only twenty six years old. That's what's kind of stunning about so Robert, Robert Quinn. Quinn. I think of him as being thirty one, thirty two years yeah. old. He's only twenty six years old. Yeah, drafted in twenty eleven. Incredible. He has got one of the. One of the best inside moves of any defensive end in the league. He also turns the corner better than any defensive end in the league. He's a guy who, if he was in a system where they didn't look for interior pressure as much as they do, and he was allowed to scream off the edge more, he could be a 20-sack-a-season guy. In the system he's in, he hits 10 a season as it is. I love Robert Quinn. And he's also great against the run as well. Yeah. I mean, he does both of those things brilliantly. Um, and then Calais Campbell, uh, I've, I've, some people think of him as one of the most underrated players in the year, uh, for at least five sacks in his seven seasons. And he's just so disruptive, great against the run, gets after the quarterback. It's uh, the, the pressure you'd get from that front four would be insane. Well, the, his disruption allows holes elsewhere. Often they have to double up on Campbell. The same with Robert Quinn as well. And that allows other players to really stand out. And when we've got on in our, uh, in our front four, uh, the likes of Michael Bennett, uh, Aaron Donald, etc., Robert Quinn, and Calais Campbell, the holes will appear. You can't, you can't mark them all. Now, how have you gone to linebacker? Because there's three there. And I, uh, I let, I'll just put it to you this way. I, I've gone for three linebackers. Yeah. And KJ Wright and Chandler Jones haven't made my team. Wow. That's how amazing the linebackers are in this division. Okay, so linebacker-wise, I mean, yeah, okay. Dion Buchanan. So Dion Buchanan is at kind of nickel linebacker safety hybrid that he plays. It was more scheme. I think you could argue KJ Wright's a more talented player. Yep. Chandler Jones is more of a get after the quarterback guy, although I think he didn't quite live up to his promise in New England, and hopefully he does and gives the Arizona Cardinals the pure pass rush they need. But Dion Buchanan offered me something that the other players didn't necessarily. Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner, so quick. I mean, he's a, he's. Luke Keekley-esque. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's my favourite linebacker in, uh, at the Seahawks, and a lot of people have KJ right above him, but Bobby Wagner is unbelievably good. And Worryingly, we, we're very much on the same page, because uh, I agree with you in, in both of those. And then you need a run-stuffer in there, because you've got a cover guy and a, a guy who can get after the quarterback and, and can cover. And so... Is this where we've shoehorned... We've shoehorned in Navarro Bowman. Yeah, and yeah, Look, I Penn, agree. Penn State alum... One of the greatest linebackers in the NFL over the past eight seasons. Um, unbelievable, obviously, partnership when he was with Patrick Willis. Yep. And what you've got to remember about that Patrick Willis partnership is that 
between them, there was always one that could cover and one could hit the run, and they were so good at sharing those duties. Navarro Bowman last year came off that horrendous injury. You missed it over again there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> against that horrendous injury against the Seahawks in the, uh, in the playoffs. It, uh, just, uh, Richards, what? Who? What's going on? No idea. Uh, I just had a really weird notification on my phone. I'll go, go, uh, terrifying. Sorry, I've really gone off course there. Um, you've got to remember last year, Navarro Bowman, he made the, the, some of the all-pro lists, some of the uh, probably off reputation rather than performance. He wasn't bad, but he wasn't at the level he well, was. He still had a good season compared to everybody else there. But when you come off those kinds of injuries, often it takes a year for the player to come back. And I think if you watch him in 2016... And you put him in that Chip Kelly team, I think he is going to be back up there with the best in the league. And I know I say that as a 49ers fan, and so I sound like I'm probably being biased, but Navarro Bowman has been consistently one of my favourite players for years now. And I think that his down year last year because of the injury was because of the injury, and that he will bounce back to best. Agree. I agree with you. And I hope so as well, because I know how much he means to you. Uh, <laughs> and then backfield. As a five-man backfield... This is maybe the most ludicrous thing I've seen. Well, you know what I'm doing, and I wonder if you agree with this. Of course, it's Cam Chancellor as your strong safety, and then I'm going to put in two free safeties, one of them covering at all times, of Earl Thomas and Tyrion Matthew, and then Patrick Peterson and... Richard Sherman as my corners. Yeah, exactly the same. And the fact is, is Tyrion Matthew, while he came into the league as a free safety, has probably taken more snaps at corner than he has at safety anyway. He's still lifted as, listed as a safety on their official depth chart. But so, uh, yeah, I've got uh, Cam Chancellor and L. Thomas as our safeties, Sherman Peterson, Matthew as our cornerbacks. And if you in any way can argue with any of that, you are a ludicrous human being. This is considering... Cam Chancellor had a serious down season last year. Yeah. He had the holdout. He had real issues defending tight end. Look at the two touchdowns that Tyler Eifert scored against them. He had a pretty bad year in that cover three defense, but you can't not pick him because he's so bloody good. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a Jimmy Graham-esque problem that yeah, you've got. Exactly. And so Cam Chancellor, I expect to have a bounce back this year. Earl Thomas, just unbelievable field general. Sherman and Peterson are the two best cover corners in the league, whether it's man, whether... Sherman, there's questions when he plays in his own. Peterson, you feel like is maybe a bit more flexible, but who cares? Let's just play man and have those three guys blanket everyone and play always play nickel and we'll be fine. With that front four, we'll play nickel, we'll drop Dion Buchanan out of the lineup probably and you'll have a ludicrous team. I want to ask you about a couple of running backs that we haven't mentioned that haven't made our team, but I think it's interesting nonetheless uh, because we're talking about the NFC West. Who do you think will have a better non-fantasy year? I don't want, <laughs> I want, I don't want to bring fantasy in this. I, 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 I want it as a, as a, a straight-up yards, touchdowns year. Who will have a better year, Carlos Hyde or Thomas Rawls? <sighs> it's going to be Thomas Rawls. And the reason for it isn't necessarily talent, although Thomas Rawls, I think, actually last year was better than Beast Mode and Beast Mode retiring, will, should not affect the Seahawks. He should have the talent to go out there and do it. And apparently Christine Michael, again, it could be preseason flab, but he's living up to apparently some of the promise that he's had. Did before. you say preseason flab? Yeah, I don't really know what that was. But Were you glad that... 
Well, you were all, you Briefly, like glad that you didn't mention it, and then I saw your eyes light up and think, ah, a chance to catch out the big guy. Let's take this firmly in two hands and go at him. Uh, that sounded weird. It sounded, <laughs> sounded so weird. So weird. Um, so, yeah, uh, I... It's more to do with the fact the 49ers are going to be behind a lot. They're going to throw a lot more because of that. It's going to be a huge reliance on special teams. Now, Carlos Hyde can catch the ball out of the backfield. And in that Chip Kelly offense, maybe Carlos Hyde has a ridiculously good year. But the Seahawks do what the Seahawks do. And if they revert back to a more run heavy, if they let Thomas Rawls carry that kind of beast mode style workload, I think he will have the better overall season. That doesn't mean I don't think Carlos Hyde is a talented back. But... He's n- he's yet to have the season that his talent shows, and that's partially because of injury, that's partially because of scheme, and the quality of the offensive line and everything else, mm-hmm. but it's difficult to not pick Thomas Rawls in that situation. And it would be trite of me not to ask you... Because uh, you hate being trite. Exactly. Um, of the 49ers draft class, 2016 draft class, who do you expect to... Have the best year. Who do you expect to make the team? Who do you who do you think is the best pickup that they made? Uh, looking at the defensive side of the ball, start to start with, DeForest Buckner is clear. I mean, I know taking the first round pick feels a little bit obvious. But he is the guy who makes the most obvious impact. Eric Armstead is a guy he knows well from college. And actually, the front three finally looks like it might be something interesting. And if Ahmad Brooks picks up this year and if Aaron Lynch comes back from his suspension well and Navarro Bowman picks up, actually, you've got a front seven that could be half decent there. I'm not getting overexcited. Michael Wilhoy played very well last year, but you can't rely on that. Yeah, he's the guy I expect to have the clearest and most obvious impact of anyone they took. To be honest, I wasn't keen on the draft particularly. And you weren't looking at a number of skill position players who were particularly exciting. So I'm... Yeah, Will Redmond is the other guy who I think is an interesting one, but we need to see how he comes back in terms of fitness. Sure. Um, So, yeah, I'm, I'm not having a particularly positive outlook on the 49ers this year. I would just like to highlight um, a couple of names that that are down here. One bloke uh, who's, uh, he's a cornerback, Cleveland Wallace, the third. Excellent. Great. name, And uh, also another cornerback, Prince Charles, Iowara. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's some incredible names. Right. Considering we weren't going to do any uh, waffle in this episode slash, I mean, news, uh, we've gone very long. So should we get through people's Twitter questions? Not get through. We love our fans. What, listen, so we, fans is a little bit of a stretch listeners yeah <laughs> do you like what we do are you a fan let us know um so yeah simon davis tweets us and asks should concussion be required viewing before the new season starts be interested to know if he means players or fans or what the problem is is that concussion is a terrible movie it's a very important movie that has a very important do you know message. what i had no idea what that question was about and i thought i thought he meant people have to look into the concussion what's what concussion's all about at the moment no he means the will smith vehicle concussion fine and uh will smith puts in one of the worst performance of his career and uh, it was it's almost caricature and it's it's a mess of a film but it's an important film that raises some very important points i just think you should find out about concussion Uh, i think if if you're gonna read about concussions and then go watch gleason which looks amazing and then wait for our concussion special uh, which will be out one day. <laughs> what, what? I was thinking about this, thinking about making it more of an in-season thing because uh, we've not got enough time now. No, because 
it's going to get more attention when the season started that we could release it at some point and it will get some some pickup and some love and we've talked to both Talksport and the BBC about the possibility of using it and there's been some interest so yeah we're going to hold off on it a little bit but it will come okay good Ed Hayes asks what Olympic sports would you be best at and why Ugh, um, I would be best as the Cox in <laughs> uh, in any of the rowing the probably the the coxed eight because you're little you do nothing but you've got a vague sense of rhythm yes Perfect. i've got no rhythm actually crap <laughs> um, damn i thought that might be uh, your reasoning what would i be good at is sumo wrestling still an olympic sport it's not uh, <laughs> was it ever <laughs> never was <laughs> um oh, yeah i don't know don't know i i, I was all right at the shop put in school and you know what? Yeah, or hammer. You could do the hammer, I reckon. I was all right at the hammer. I, I, you know, when I say all right, I was throwing like 40 metres, which when we were in school was really good. But when most people throw... 80 now or something. Yeah, 90. exactly. It's not going to win me any medals, let's no, be honest. But not. I might not embarrass myself. So um, I could be a flotation device in the, uh, in the swimming. Have you seen that great meme about the... Uh, uh, no matter how pointless you think your job is, just remember there is a lifeguard in the Olympic swimming pool. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a picture of that have, person sat yeah. there just looking utterly miserable. Have you seen the meme of the Ukrainian high jumper who runs up to it, to the high jump, and he just keeps on going? He doesn't... Um, Brilliant. He, he, just keep, he just goes around. It's very funny. That's what I like about the Brazilian that won the uh, amazing pole vaulting. Oh, if you've final. not seen the pole vaulting, the final is well worth watching. Uh, there's actually... Uh, the Frenchman's called Villanova. Villain... Lavigny. Uh, and I think it's Lavigny. But uh, villain is in his name. Yeah. It's brilliant because he acts so villainous. La Villainy. La yeah. Villainy. That's um, his name. It was genuinely so, so good. Uh, so, uh, But what I loved was before he got the winning jump, the jump before that, when he tried a jump that was 11 centimetres higher than his personal best on a pole length that he'd never used in competition yeah. before, he just got halfway up and went, nope. <laughs> and just flopped down onto the map before he even got anywhere near the, the height of the bar, which made the next jump even more miraculous. Did you see also in that final, the I think it was a Japanese or a Chinese, I think it's a Japanese. Oh, yes, uh, I know what you're going to say. He knocked the pole off with his pole. Oh, it looked so painful. With his, with his little acorn. Oh, well done, mate. Bless him. Uh, Martin Opry, Wilson was fantastic last year with an improved O-line. Do you see him beating last year's numbers? I think we've answered that in some depth already. Um, yes, I can see him beating them, but I have to see him beat them before I believe it. Because when you say it was fantastic last year, he was fantastic in six games last year. I don't want to talk about it. Move on. <laughs> Still upset. Uh, Tom Marshall, if we're best in the world at cycling, rowing, diving, running, etc., why can't we kick a ball at each other, to each other? Um... We can kick a ball to each other, Tom. You seem to be confused, but we just kick it sideways. We can't break them down. Tom. Yeah, <laughs> we're happy to keep possession and pass it to each other. Tom, it's getting it behind defences that's caused us such an issue. Tom, round ball football is dead to me now. The NFL is 21 days away. Yeah, from September through to February, round ball football means nothing to me, apart from it does, if anyone... Apart from the Gridiron Derby, uh, which is also <laughs> Reading versus Green Park Rangers. Uh, um, to, oh, what was the Reading score? Uh, I didn't realise we'd gone as late as to the games were finished. They finished about an hour and a half ago. Uh, Tom also asks, of this year's London-bound teams, which coach has the best chance to be sacked 
before the team lands back in the USA. Ah. Something which, of course, has happened on a number of occasions in previous international series, maybe not before it's touched back down, but it has become somewhat of a horcrux. Is that a thing? You know what? That's a, <laughs> that's a Harry Potter reference. That I don't know how you've sealed it in. Because <laughs> a horcrux is, is an extra life stored away in an object i think you'll find it's part of somebody's soul stored in an object well yeah <laughs> i pretended like i didn't know and then i brought it out there um so your choices are obviously chuck pagano uh Ooh. <laughs> i think it's oh, chuck pagano <laughs> <I> think, <yeah. laughs> if the colts lose that game and go oh and five chuck pagano could be gone the Jags wouldn't sack him at 0 and 5, I don't think. They'd wait till the end of the year. That's kind of more Shard Khan style. They might, they might sack him. I mean, with with Fulham, they're very sack happy. Uh, yeah, but it's a, it's so different. With Fulham. I know, I know. Giants new head coach, give nope. him a chance. Uh, Rams, well, they haven't sacked him so far, so I don't know why they would now. Washington, I think they're really happy with Jay Gruden. I, I don't see why they would sack him at the moment. Yeah, but, but are, they are, are they, coming. Would, isn't it's that week la- six or week seven? It's the last game of the international oh, series. Crap, so it's that's like week, week eight, eight. Week nine. Imagine yeah. if they're 0 and 8. So there's, there, you always think it's more likely to be those teams towards the, the end because they've got more time to have gone bad. So maybe Washington, but actually, if the Colts went 0 and 5, Chuck Pagano could have a chance of not making it home. Yeah. That sounds like they're going to kill him. You might do. <laughs> oh, no, no, you won't. Oh, you won't. If there's anyone oh, listening. Oh, the GB women have reached the hockey final. Yay, hockey! Go hockey! Celtic have won five two in a Champions League qualifier. This Dude. is not Championship football. What it's difficult to find. Queens White Rangers lost three two to Barnsley. Um, Josh Skinner asks: Are you expecting to see much of a hangover from the Cardinals' playoff loss to the Panthers, especially from Palmer? Uh, no. I think I've made it pretty clear I don't feel that way. Uh, not that we should talk about the quarterbacks anymore. But I think if you have watched uh, All or Nothing, you'll see that Bruce Arians will not let that happen. And I'd be really surprised if this team don't come out absolutely firing this year. Uh, oh, we were... Oh, my God. Remember how we were one all when, we, uh, when I checked at half-time? Yeah. Yeah, we lost 4-1. Oh, dear. Matt Ritchie penalty and two Dwight Gale goals in the last 20 minutes. Thank you. Uh, um, so, yeah. Well no, on the app. No was the simple answer. Although they do start out... Oh, I was about to say they start out tough, but then I forgot that uh, they're going to be facing Jimmy Garoppolo week one at home, so that should be a win. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's preseason football. We don't know. He might be brilliant when it, when it comes to the first game of the season. Then they're home to the Bucks, at the Bills, home to the Rams. I would expect them to go 3-1 and one from those games. At the 49ers, 4-1. and one. Home to the Jets, 5-1. and one. Yeah, I think the Cardinals have no problem. Yeah, I think they're fine. Um, Bobby Wilcox. This is coming back to Bobby Wilcox saying that uh, every division seems to have a particularly bad position here. It's tight end. Can we have two running backs, Gurley and Johnson, instead? Yes. Uh, Glenn Wood has responded saying, how, has, how Jimmy Graham has fallen? We picked him. He he said, read the 49ers, Bowman and Staley make my team. Yay. Well done. But others very tough to argue for. Fair. Um, maybe our long snapper. I mean, we need special teamers in there. So why not? Yeah, he's in. <laughs> uh, Liz Fox says, as NFL Girl UK, can Chip Kelly save the 49ers? Will Kaepernick be a goner? And which team will dominate the NFC West this year? It's a three-part question. Yes, 
Sorry, what was the middle yes. question? I missed the, I missed the middle question. Uh, can Chip Kelly save the 49ers? Was, no, that was the first question. Uh, I thought you said the first question. No, I said the middle question. Right. Will Kaepernick be a goner? Yes. Can Chip Kelly save the 49ers? Maybe. Given time, yes. Uh, maybe is a yes, because... I would say no. It's a he cannot. question. I'm going to go... Chip Kelly will not be able to save the 49ers. What are we talking about? This season or just in general? This season, they no, will... That's not fair. No, no, okay, all right, fine, that's fine. That's a question. All right, it's not a question, man. I will say no, he will not be able to save. I think they will not be any better by the time they fire him. Wow, okay. Uh, Kaepernick will be a goner. I believe he will because... You know, the, when RG3 gets injured... injured um, he will end up in Cleveland. Trade him away. Um, and well, this last question is an interesting one. Which team will dominate the NFC West this year? I don't think. I think that's a. I don't think any of the teams will dominate. I, I love think... how you literally answered my exact answer. Oh, God. I don't think anyone will dominate the NFC West this year. I think that. Uh, dominate losing the 49ers yeah. I think the 49ers <laughs> will come last I think the Rams will be average but I think the Cardinals and the Seahawks are both on for a great year great yeah 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 yeah. good great news I think that's the pod done great pod so we've just got the NFC North left to do and then the all hate team please tweet us to remind us we we're going to do the all hate team yeah we've got to do the fancy preview yeah uh, I'll be doing an AFC all AFC preview on the NFL show on TalkSport 2 in a couple of weeks' time as well. Yeah, I will be chipping in. So we'll remind you about that. It's me, Phil Spooner, and Nat Coombs, I believe, and then... A, cu- uh, a couple of uh, phoning in, of phoning cast members. Old Gregor Egg Rosenthal, so I'm going to wind him up about how bad the Patriots are going to be. Uh, By the way, Greg Rosenthal, what what a guy! What a guy! We'll get him. We should get him on the podcast. Oh uh, man, I'll ask him. We've we've had him on before. Uh, we talked more about tennis than we did football. That's what the off season does to you. He's a big tennis fan. Okay. Um, the uh, yeah, who's doing the NFC one? Merritt Larwood. Okay. I don't know who else. <laughs> Maybe me. Yeah, great. I, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> if they listen to this, then it's a no. Yeah. Uh, hey. <laughs> Uh, but otherwise, uh, that was a good show. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Lots of good interviews. Bit long, but there we go. You know we're still recording, right? Oh, yeah. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so otherwise, thank you very much for tuning in. Love to get your feedback at Gridiron, or if you go on iTunes, you can give us a review uh, on there. Always good to hear from you there as well. If you didn't hear it on the last pod, don't forget you can enter that competition to win free tickets to the ultimate tailgate parties that's for the international series there are 60 tickets to give away 20 for each of the three international series games those tickets are worth 65 quid a pop and give you free beer free wine free food live dj signings with legends from the teams playing and you can find it online we'll tweet out the link again from gridiron uh, so do find it on there we uh, get entering we'll probably be there as well so you get to hang out with us what a treat and the ultimate tailgate party dot net well remembered and if um, and if you haven't responded and I haven't filled my 12 team auction league yet don't forget to tweet me at Will Gav and let me know you want to be in our auction league I wonder how many you're going to get I'll get like two 
I'd, I think maybe... I'll make a pathetic eight-man league and it'll be the worst thing ever. Oh, it's going to be awful. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be banging you know down your door, be? begging you to come on board. You're going to be one of those guys that trolls the, uh, trolls the forums going, Hey guys, we've got one spare space in our fantasy league. Anybody fancy joining? It's an auction league. No. <laughs> <laughs> auction is the way forward. Somebody wanted to turn one of our leagues into a dynasty league. I'm like, I'm in two dynasties already and they're already a ball lake. So, no, thank you. Oh, you're so right. You're so right. <laughs> Not because I love I love the format, uh, but if you're... Well, it's just a hashtag shambles. If you're not the commissioner of your league, then uh, <laughs> I, I think we stop there. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. Love you, Bobby. Yeah, we do love you, Bobby. <laughs> you are a superstar, and you worked very hard on it, and we were only winding you up at the time. But everybody seemed to take it very, very seriously, didn't they? Uh, <laughs> uh, love you, buddy. Uh, right, thank you very much for listening. Uh, uh, let us know how it sounded in the man cave as well. Maybe a bit echoey. Get some soundproofing in here. Did you just and- fart? No. <laughs> what was that? Well, I decided that if I let that go now, then you'll leave my house as soon as we finish. Yeah, I will. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening. This has been The Gridiron Show.